and welcome into another episode of Turn the Corner, a Detroit Tigers podcast. I'm Kieran Steckley. With me, as always, your beat writer extraordinaire. He's a fan of bat flips, and sometimes he's a fan of when a state flips. He is Cody Stavenhagen. Cody, how you doing? <laughs> oh, let the kids play. We don't have to get into politics, but let the kids play. I like the bat flips. Well, see, sometimes you like it when a state flips. No one knows what that means. You're right. It could, You're it, right. It, it, it could be Texas. It could be New York. You know, who knows? <laughs> who knows? It's it's up to the imagination of the listener. So we are still in a lockout. There is not a lot of news coming. I actually just went to the, uh, to the MLB app today, and... They have like videos, and it's just like the two-minute um, career introspective of like basically Tigers legend. So it was like Cobb, K-Line, Greenberg. I, I think they called it Prime Nine when they were like ranking like players on you know one of those self-made documentaries. And it was just another example of uh, of like the reality of the lockout hitting me. It was like I can't even because. Uh, legal maneuvering I guess going on between the two sides can't even watch like Akil Badu's you know walk off hit you know or his first career home run on his first pitch can't do any of that uh how are you holding up uh as someone whose you know livelihood is tied to being able to talk about write about and uh assess a frozen franchise slash league uh, it's it's really weird. It's more strange than I thought it would be. I think, you know, I, I was always prepared for the possibility of a lockout, but I don't know if I really thought about what a lockout would actually be like. And there's nothing going on. Team personnel is, is not really allowed to talk to the media right now. Um, you know, kind of this first week of it, I had some fun, went, went uh, deep into the archives and found a couple story ideas that may or may not come to fruition. Uh, speaking of, if anyone has any information on whatever this fashion show was in the early 90s when they unveiled the uh, Prowling Tiger logo, let me know, because it sounds like it was just incredibly stupid, but there was very little written on it at the time. I'd love to revisit this. Anyway, found some random stuff like that to kind of try to dig into, and um, but I think it's going to be a long winter, the idea of doing this for like two more months. Uh, not Not real promising. I'm not thrilled about it. Do you feel, and with the lack of news, it may not be... So this is probably more hypothetical than than something you're actually doing. But the, the art of kind of keeping tabs on your sources and just trying to get information, it almost kind of... Fe- it almost on the outside feels like uh, they're afraid to say anything because it's when you say like no one's talking to the media it's not like there's a physical rule it's that no one wants to do it for the purpose of you know legal negotiations and all that stuff um so are you keeping tabs on your sources or are you just kind of letting them breathe now because there's not really anything to 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 say everything's been pretty quiet for the last week i haven't really talked to to much of anyone directly associated with the tigers um again there's kind of this weird like especially if you're talking baseball operations people like they're 
sort of not. I, I think there must have been a directive from like the league to clubs saying, hey, keep people off limits from reporters. I don't know that for a fact, but um, you know, some teams have issued like basically statements saying no one's going to talk to the media. The Tigers didn't do that quite as formally, but as I said last week, they were kind of like, hey, don't even hit up Al or AJ like off the record. Um, this is, I, I requested an interview with uh, with Ryan Garko, the new VP of Player Development, because we're doing a lot of prospect stuff. Uh, I think the next couple weeks on the Athletic, and I thought I might have a chance to do it because he is not associated with the major league team. Like minor leaguers are not subject. Like there's still a minor league Rule Five draft. Like and I wasn't going to ask him really about specific players anyway. I'm just going to ask him about his first few months on the job, some of the hires he's made. Um, that got declined and, and I mean, the Tigers were cool and, and professional about it, but they basically said, Hey, can't do this because of the lockout. Maybe once there's a new CBA. So that tells you how strictly teams are approaching this. You can't even talk to a guy on the minor league side of things. I don't really know why maybe for fear he would mention Cody Clemens, who's on the 40 man roster. And then that would somehow like, I don't, I, I don't really know. I think that's a little, a little bit silly, but that's how, that's how things are like right now well i guess like you ha- you have the power to ruin negotiations with yeah. one question yeah <laughs> <laughs> for some reason i don't feel like those would uh, ruin negotiations but i also you know there's a lot at stake for both sides so i understand why teams would be cautious at the same time. do you think agents are doing the same thing with with their clients uh no i have talked to a couple agents this week and one of them was like so it, it seems like they're not really like necessarily in the loop but he was like so is tigers pr like still doing stuff right now and i was like my understanding is they can't be in contact with the players so no and the agent was like oh well that's probably better you know he's like (laughs) now that i think there's some agents are like all right now we can be fully in charge of promoting our guys um so yeah talking to agents is going to be the way to go for the next couple months well, we'll we'll touch on the mailbag that you did on the athletic this week in a second. But one of the one of the themes of baseball media this week was I don't want to say a sense of optimism, but it was sort of like here's some ideas that could solve like the lockout, and that was more optimistic than I guess I'm feeling right now, for lack mm-hmm. of a better term. Uh, your colleagues, you, you, you know, like, what are you, what are you and your colleagues sort of, what's the vibe with your colleagues? I'm not trying to get you to t- say what y'all are talking about, but what's the vibe between the colleagues? Obviously, you work with some high end baseball media people over there at The Athletic. Yeah, I think a lot of the fellow beat writers are um, just looking forward to getting some time off for Christmas. <laughs> now, <laughs> you're talking about Ken Rosenthal and Jason Stark, who both wrote uh, very good columns on like potential lockout ideas, or, or Jason's was. Uh, reversing the draft order might be the best way to ensure competitive balance. Uh, both really interesting columns. I think I said this before, but Ken seems to like the idea that things will get solved by around February 1st. Um, he knows a lot more than I do. Is talking to a lot more people in the game than I do. I still have a sense that that might be a little bit optimistic. Um, and I, I think it's everyone's still just kind of in wait-and-see mode right now. Like, there's no way to really predict what's going to happen um so yeah that's the vibe i get a lot of wait and see yeah and you know i'll i'll say this like some of those were when we don't have to get into those ideas or whatever because 
I'll be honest with everybody, like, I got a million ideas of how to do, like, this podcast, the next podcast, but I'm sort of, like, anticipating that we're going to have to stretch these things out, so I don't want to get too far, and that's why we haven't really tackled a lot of CBA stuff. Um, But you are right, those are decent ideas. On the surface, I'm not really, I'm not really sure I'm a fan of uh, reverse draft order. I'm not really sure what that. I'm not really sure that's gonna have like yeah, great. I don't love it, honestly. Like, I I get I get the the idea behind it, but you know, I just I just feel like that would create like that might solve two problems and create four. If I that agree. makes sense. Yeah. Um, but I I will say this though. In terms of you you touched on this last week and i don't think we elaborated on it you said that they're not doing any in-game stuff with the cba like you know the dh universal dh and you know things like the you know pitch clock and things like that uh what's the what's the genesis of 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 you uh, of you getting that information because I don't know if that's being talked about all that much. Nationally. Yeah, it hasn't been talked about a lot. Um, I think Ken wrote about it and, and talked about it more at length on one of his podcasts. Um, so there's been some national writers that have touched on it, um, and, and so that's really the genesis. But yeah, it seems like the negotiations have been entirely focused on economics and the idea of negotiating rule changes has kind of gone out the window. Um, I think that's another thing where players and owners were kind of trying to leverage each other. Like players, okay, we'll agree to expanded playoffs if you give us a universal DH because that creates more jobs. Or we'll agree to a play play, uh, pitch clock if you uh, change up the arbitration system so players can get paid more money. I think basically the league has kind of said, we're going to stay away from that because that just creates more things that players can leverage us with and vice versa as well. Um, There's also the idea that the league can still implement rule changes. It doesn't necessarily have to be in the CBA. Rob Manfred, in fact, can do a lot of this unilaterally. So um, there was this idea that this new CBA was going to be you know, groundbreaking and was going to change the, the structure, not the structure of the sport, but you know, the rules of the sport was going to change the aesthetics of the game. In reality, that's not going to happen. I wouldn't be shocked to see some of these rule changes still trickle out, but it won't necessarily be uh, things that are being discussed at the bargaining table. That's a good point about the unilateral power from uh, the commissioner there. I, I was like both encouraged and, sort of despondent uh, about that notion about no on-field stuff being discussed. It's like, okay, now they have less. But then now we're still going to have the same, I don't know, problems, issues, maybe that's too strong of a word, uh, with the on-field, with pace of play, with, you know, we got we got to see these National League pitchers slash American League pitchers uh, in interleague play just stand at the plate for – 20 seconds and and do nothing yeah can we just can we just have a universal dh like can we all agree on a universal dh that shouldn't be hard but here we are yeah so and i don't know uh, manfred doesn't strike me as a guy who is like tradition above all else um so in theory i don't i don't know what his thoughts are on that but 
if he were to say it, he would probably say something that I would disagree with because a lot of his public statements don't tend to be uh, highly favorable. Um, so, okay, so one thing that, as we got swept up in free agency with the Tigers and the moves they made to begin the offseason, um, they were headliners, but they were not the biggest spenders, obviously, that goes to a couple other teams, most notably the Rangers. And Jeff Passan wrote an article on ESPN Plus that kind of went into the craziest four to eight hours, 24 hours, whatever time frame it was, and baseball free agency period, given the deadline of the expiring CBA. And it was mainly centered on the Rangers because they made the biggest splashes. But there were a couple Tigers nuggets in there. Um, He kind of teased it as the Tigers were in on Marcus Simeon, who obviously signed with the Rangers. And then I read the article and I was like, you know, I don't know if I would have like teased that the Tigers were in on Simeon. They, as we've discussed ad nauseum, we've, you know, the Tigers were in, quote unquote, in on every free agent. They or, or uh, shortstop, I should say. They were in on Correa. You know, they had conversations. They were in on Story. They were in on Baez. Obviously, they were in on Simeon. So I. I thought that was kind of like a misleading label, and the the article basically said that the Rangers, given that extra year, you know, put all other offers to the table, and then he kind of illustrated a little bit the what went into the Baez negotiation, where Baez had kind of set his own deadline of being that previous Friday or Saturday, whatever it was, and then. Al and and AJ and Chris kind of getting to work with his agent and himself, him being biased, to kind of get this deal done in the wee hours of the morning. That we already knew, but it did kind of paint a little bit more of a picture. Did you take anything away from from anything that you didn't already know or maybe a detail here that you that, you know, kind of filled in the blank or anything? Obviously you're in the know a lot, so Yeah, so I thought the passing story was kind of a more concrete version of Some things I've already said and even reported in print, uh, the Tigers were in on all these guys. I mean, hours before uh, they signed Baez, I put out a story about what we knew about the Tigers and what they were doing in free agency, and that included that they were very much still in on all the shortstops, including Carlos Correa. Um, that, That almost maybe looked a little bad when in the wee hours of the morning they end up signing Baez, but I kind of think it confirmed that there was at least one point that night where no one knew what was going on. They were still, the passing story said, monitoring Correa, whatever that means. Um, They had had talks with Simeon, they were having talks with Story, and then the bias thing kind of came together at the last minute late into the night. Um, So none of that was really new to me, but it was kind of good to hear a a little bit more concrete version of that and coming from someone as connected as Jeff Passan. One of these days, maybe we'll know the real story. I think there were some things going on with Baez that caused that whole thing to be delayed a little bit, Um, but it was a strange day in baseball, and my sources were kind of acting strange all that day. You know, I think there were a couple hours that night where no one knew what was going on, and then all of a sudden things came together.
Yeah, I mean, I you know the pat the passing story did a good job of like it was something that was worth writing about and kind of getting the behind scenes stuff just as a overall picture of that free agency period. I believe it was great for baseball um, to to have that kind of attention in the. Uh, you know, as college football season's ending and games are really crucial and, you know, you're starting the, the home stretch of the NFL and then you're still kind of riding a little bit of a wave of excitement from the NBA beginning and all that stuff. And baseball was able to kind of find a couple days to dominate. That was great for baseball. Um, here's my suggestion. We have a suggestion box for A.J. Hinch during the season. My suggestion for Rob Manfred and whoever else wants to hear it. Uh, how about you have some sort of free agency deadline December 1st every year? I like it. Just, <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Let's just get things done. Then players can, you know, you don't have to have like, con- you know, negotiations go into like spring training or whatever. Just maybe it's January 1st or something, but like have like a deadline for, uh, for a certain type of deal. I don't know. This is not a well thought out idea, but I would. I did a, I did I did like it. I did enjoy it. I thought it was great for baseball. Um, AJ Hinge suggestion box. Look, I, I know there's still stuff going on. We just had the minor league rule five draft. I guess you can be in touch with guys about minor league, like minor league free agents. But AJ, go play some golf. Hang out with your family, your girls during the holidays. Don't talk to Al for a couple weeks if he calls. Just like decline the call. Um, <laughs> You know, get yourself a well-deserved break. That's that's my AJ Hinge suggestion box. Yes, yes, and basically anybody in baseball that can, yeah. uh, and and that includes you, media people. Just take take some take some time to unravel a little bit. Um, speaking of AJ, though, something that you touched on this in your mailbag, and it hasn't gotten talked about a lot. Because of everything else that we just talked about, free agency and you know, trades and uh, and lockout and all that stuff. But if we're going to talk about offseason W's for the Tigers, staff continuity is definitely in that. So George Lombard's sticking around. Everybody's sticking around. They made some additions. Uh, they they like the you know transition of like Ramon Santiago from first to third. You know base coach and all this stuff and. Um, the gang's all coming back, and if you're trying to build a culture, there's so many voices, so many cooks in the kitchen, that they all gotta be on the same page. To me, it feels like they all were. Uh, in fact, really, the only staff changes that happened in the year of our Lord, 2021, happened during the season, when you had, like, Chip Hale and, uh, what was it, Tony Perez? Uh, (laughs) Jose Cruz Jr., Jose Cruz Jr. Uh, Jose Cruz Jr. take college jobs, um, and and since then there's been been nothing but a unified voice, uh, coaches wise. Obviously, a lot of front office moves. Um, I, just a couple stats I picked up from uh, your beat colleague uh, Jason Beck in one of his articles uh, after basically being in the bomb of the league. On, on base percentage the past three years, the Tigers were 10th wow. this season. And then they were 11th in OPS, if you're curious what those specific numbers were. in the American League? There's no way they were 10th yeah, in Yeah, in the, Ameri- in the American League. So they're they're American still League. kind of toward the bottom. But I, mean, but, I mean, it's top. I mean, you're still making a huge improvements because they were at the bottom. Yeah, now they're, Yeah, so, so 308 on base and uh, 707 OPS. And that was with 
what was a lot of times a makeshift roster. Mm -hmm. And obviously we expect, well, it's not an expectation. The talent will be a lot better in 2022, whether they actually, you know, perform better is a different thing, but the talent will be better. Um, in the course of a rebuild and ascension of a franchise of a team, how important is staff continuity, especially when you have some guys that are universally considered top notches at, at their position like Lombard and, and, and Fetter? Yeah, I think it depends on your coaching staff. I think staff continuity can also be a bad thing when you had Ron Gardenhire bringing back all his guys for, for most of his tenure. You know, Before that 2020 season, there was a lot of talk, will there, will there be a shakeup? And they moved Joe Vavre to hitting coach, but like Lloyd McClendon stayed on that staff. Rick Anderson stayed on that staff. Gardy coached with Rick Anderson pretty much his entire managerial career. And, and you know, in the 2000s, Rick Anderson was a very good pitching coach. Um, but it's easy to get kind of stuck in the same patterns of thought if you keep bringing back the same guys year after year after year. Um, in the case of this staff, I think it's a amazing, energetic, bright staff. I think it's good all these guys are coming back. Lombard, I think, will eventually become a manager. Um, we'll see what kind of jobs are open one year from now, but you get him back, which is good. Um, good thing it's, it's generally a little easier to keep pitching coaches. So uh, I think Chris Fetter and AJ will probably be tied at the hip for a while. Um, you know, so the one question was Kamara Barty, first base coach. He had, he had ascended to the staff after Chip Hale went to Arizona. They interviewed some people for that job, but ultimately decided to just keep uh, Kamara Barty in that position. I don't know who they interviewed, but uh, clearly no one that they really thought was going to be um, a huge different difference maker. I guess they like what Barty did in his short time on the big league staff last year. I think with this particular group of guys, especially you talk about instituting this culture change, shaking up the way things are done, the way the team prepares, I think it's absolutely good to give kind of this group a second year altogether to continue to build on that foundation. Speaking of building on the foundation, um, you tried to start a foundation with a second career, uh, with there being a lockout. We teased this last week um, with uh, with something Hollywood related and your experience with that. So I think I'll just let you kind of take it over from there. Yeah. Uh, so outside my hometown of Amarillo, Texas, they were filming the uh, Yellowstone prequel movie 1883 out at a, a ranch outside a town called the Four Sixes. And a local radio station made it known that they were looking for extras, uh, kind of putting out a casting call. So I was talking with my family about this and just kind of joking around, but I got curious, like, what is the process of becoming an extra for a Hollywood movie? So I clicked this link um, to like, I was like, I'm just going to sign up for this. Would I have actually done it if they called? I don't know, like probably not, but I don't know, maybe, you know, it, it depends how easy it would be really. But anyway, it takes me to this kind of this portal, which I guess is like a database for anyone who wants to be a Hollywood extra. And you might as well have to give them a blood sample. I mean, you have to <laughs> fill out everything about yourself, every little detail of your appearance, your complexion, your hairstyle, your, you know, your height, your weight, your build, your, by the end of it, you 
develop some serious like self-image issues. You start feeling <laughs> self-conscious. But, you know, do you have braces? What shape are your teeth in? How white are your teeth? And uh, you, you start to feel a little bad about yourself and your appearance by the end of it. But anyway, so it, it was really interesting to go through the process. So I fill it all out. And then uh, maybe because I was using Safari, I didn't try it on a different browser. You had to basically pick like what film you were interested in. So I tried to like submit myself for the 1883 film and it just didn't work. So it ended <laughs> up being a massive waste of time. And I concluded that I was very disillusioned with Hollywood by the end of this process. Uh, clearly a shallow culture that's just not for me. So, um, you know, I think it was a short lived foray into the world of acting uh, also, Tim McGraw and Faith Hill are in this movie. It's been rumored that they've been hanging out at a speakeasy inside a downtown Amarillo hotel. I went down there, seeing if I could meet Tim McGraw, mostly hoping he could somehow introduce me to Taylor Swift. Uh, <laughs> I did not see Tim or Faith, so. Man, just disappointment all around there. <laughs> I know, I know, right? <laughs> well, it does surprise me that they would do that for extras. I mean, I don't, like... I would, I guess, it's more reasonable to do that kind of thing for like guest stars or yeah. obviously. And supposedly they're just looking for like some people to be like blacksmiths in the background. So like, why does it even matter what you look like? Oh, another question was like, are are you willing to dye your hair? So I guess they just want you in their database, you know, in case maybe they're people who are just extras in all sorts of movies for like a hobby. I don't really know. Did it say and did it give any compensation? Uh, indication i do not believe extras generally get paid at least in this case there was no no hint at uh being compensated for your work i feel like i should have got paid just for completing that survey (laughs) because it took a long time so that was probably the most uh invasive job interview you've ever had yeah absolutely (laughs) no doubt so uh when cody told me this experience i thought what kind of what kind of films, what kind of shows could some uh, tigers be on? <laughs> and I spent probably a total of five minutes. Just I, I I don't want people to think that I like really went in depth to try to figure some of this out. I just kind of thought, oh, this might be funny, or oh, this just fits, or whatever. So I jotted down some uh, some roles that I could see some 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 tigers players in. Uh, I'm not saying they're all good, but I jotted them down, so we're gonna we're gonna run through them. Uh, I think Casey Mize would be a great. Now he'd have to change his hair. So he talked about hair. I think he'd be a great like uh, fighter pilot in some war movie. Ooh, yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. Or fantasy movie, because for some reason I kept thinking of Independence Day when I when I mm. thought of this, but I was. But uh, but yeah, I think he'd be you know maybe like maybe like a Top Gun type deal you know I don't know but I think he would fit I think he'd look great in Aviators, you know and he just kind of has that cool vibe that uh that you know under pressure that kind that that lends to being a really good thing and you know trait in the fighter pilot so I I thought of him for that I thought you know Michael Fulmer could be a uh, I feel like he could be in any movie with a president. I think he'd be a Secret Service guy. Okay. Yeah, you know, just he's got he's got that, you know, kind of 
hard exterior presence and he'd be walking around he'd keep the beard i'm sure and you know i i think he would probably intimidate anyone that wanted to you know make a move on the president uh the two catchers the backup catchers haas and jake rogers are obviously just background people of any biker movie ever uh they could probably be like since they're teammates they could probably be like those two kind of sidekicks they're always doing everything together and they probably uh they probably get in the make one wrong move on like they could start a gang war because they did something stupid i i, I could see that happening um you know for uh haas and rogers um i think matt manning is definitely he could definitely do Channing Tatum's 21 oh, Jump Street role. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> just go, just go back to high school and and uh, <laughs> and just have just be out of place in AP Bio and and uh, I don't know if he's dumb or anything, but I'm just saying he's a really good looking guy. And and then like the teacher would like find him so attractive, and you know there could be all kinds of shenanigans there. I thought that was fitting. Um, this is a lazy one, but I thought, you know, Akil Badu and the Flintstones? I, I I actually could see it. I, Ooh, I, okay. Because I, th- I, th- okay. I think, first of all, if you've seen his workout photos that he's posted on social media, dude's got guns. So that, that garb, that sleeveless, he looked good yeah. in it. And of any guy on the Tigers, I think he would lead the the polling on which guy on the team could actually like power a car with his legs that's exactly what i was thinking of yeah i'd love to see him i think he could do it i think uh let's see i'm going through my notes uh this one's lazy but uh javi baez i think he could be in the next uh now you see me three he is you know the magician that movie is it's a it's a it's a uh magician movie it's it's got is a very elaborate like illusionist you know uh sort of like a con movie um they made two of them so that's why i said for the third one uh first one's decent second one eh. um miggy is he mr 3000 could he (laughs) (laughs) underrated baseball not a very good movie but like kind of a funny movie i always enjoyed that movie i think uh, i don't know what role i would cast miguel cabrera in it's a hard one nothing's nothing's jumping out at me because he's got this like miggy persona but he's not dumb so like i didn't want to put him in any sort of like kind of goofy role because like you know he claims you know he wants to work in a front office he said he would have you know said it would have been an engineer if he didn't do baseball like he was a hard one to peg i do feel like he would not do well at memorizing his lines though he might just kind of show up and try to wing it and it wouldn't go well he actually well then he might be perfect in curb your enthusiasm because there's no script okay so he so so he could just he could just wing everything and then all the trained actors can uh Ooh, i think can... he could be all right at improv put him in... let's get miggy to like host snl and just see what happens <laughs> yeah i think that'd be good uh joe jimenez i think he's the perfect wild thing from the from major league uh if he i would lose my i would lose my mind if he ever came out with big black rim glasses on to the mound 
I would lose my mind. Um, I thought Derek Hill, this isn't like a character or a role per se, but would he not be the perfect, like, the guy who does Evil Knievel stunts before Evil Knievel does them? <laughs> sure. This, yeah. this guy has no qualms about you know banging in the walls banging in the teammates like he just goes all out all the time i was like that guy's a stunt man like he he could be the guy who does the jump before evil knievel to make sure it's safe so i, I thought that was fitting um gregory soto i think he could be in any fast and the furious movie first of all that's his pitching style fast and furious uh second of all if Fast and Furious came out like like the first one like came out like within the past couple years. There would definitely be a character with the 100 emoji tattooed on them. <laughs> yeah, for real. Another good point. Um, I think Kyle Funkhauser would be a great yuppie in uh, in Wolf of Wall Street, like one of those guys <laughs> that's like trying to you know trying to work at the at the law firm with Jordan Belfort and. Uh, and, and you know make their money or whatever you know have the suit that doesn't you know it's the last money spent on a suit and so it doesn't <laughs> fit all that well but he's determined to do whatever it takes in order to uh to to get the bag you know i thought that was fitting i i, I was i was really trying to find a good one for Tarek school and think he should just be a co-pilot with casey mize a little top gun duo that's a good one how's this how's this one I think he'd be like a great like uh, political enforcer slash dirty man, a la like House of Cards. Like Scooble, really? Well, yeah, like he's the one that kind of goes in and you know roughs people up, you know, uh, and just scares people with his mere presence, a la House of Cards. I forget the actor's yeah. name, but uh, I, the guy I, who works for Kevin Spacey. Scooble, like roughing someone up, but he does have a little bit of like an evil streak to him. Definitely an intense guy. So. And and some and some of it is just like how you carry yourself. You know, it's like oh, yeah. don't, don't, don't want to mess with him. Um, <laughs> I think we could have a pretty good like some sort of political drama. AJ Hinge plays the president. You have mm-hmm. Fulmer on the Secret Service. Scooble doing the dirty work. I'm sure you could implement a few other characters. What does Al do in that movie? Pull this off. Oh man, <laughs> I don't know. Al could, uh, you know, Al could be the the leader of some like other nation. You know, maybe he's the whip. Maybe, the, maybe he's yeah. the whip. <laughs> or, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Um, I, I I think you'll like this one, and this might be too deep. I don't even know why I came up with this, but your boy Renato Nunez. Back and oh forth. Renato. Charlton Heston is in the first Planet of the Apes, and he's technically in the second one, but he like jumps into some dimension and then he's gone and then he gets replaced by essentially a Charlton Heston lookalike. I think that's Renato Nunez this year on the uh, Detroit Tigers, where he's there and then he's gone <laughs> and then we just kind of move on. We talk we we talked about him so much. He had his time. And then when it came for the next move, he was gone. So that was that was I don't know why I came up with that, but that was my uh, my my Nunez thing. Let's see if I have any other ones. Well, all right, there was a high a high profile story in the New Yorker about Secession actor Jeremy Strong, and I just got to say, Chris Illich looks so much like Jeremy Strong slash Kendall Roy, and also happens to be 
the son of a billionaire. Um, I did think about that. I did. Yeah. I did think about that, but I didn't want to imply that Chris was like a huge drug addict. Like <laughs> this is true. So like I did, there was some secession so stuff. I, every like, time I watch Secession, I I think of Chris Illich when I see Kimball Roy though. So <laughs> can't get it out of my head. Yeah, uh, and I'm I'm going through the show right now. So I I did I did kind of flirt with the idea of, of doing a secession thing, but I, I, I still couldn't pull the trigger. I didn't want to implicate Chris. Like, oh yeah, that guy looks like a meth head. You know, like I don't want to, <laughs> I didn't want to do that, you know? So any, uh, any, any of those, uh, your favorite, any ones you could come up with, or this is such a dumb idea, but I thought it'd be a fun way that's, to pass That's the pretty time. impressive work for five minutes, Kieran. No, I think, I think you did well. Um, I already forgot what was the one I said was perfect. There was one you just nailed. I already forgot what it was. We just talked about it. Well, let's see. I think the Akil Badu Flintstones one was good. That's a good one. Manning twenty one jump street. Manning, that's when that's just like <laughs> he is Channing Tatum, I think. That's that's your best one by far. Could easily pull off that role too. Yeah, well, I don't know. Who's uh who's Jonah Hill in that one on the team? I was going going through this live. Oh, uh Miggy could do a little bit of that. Yeah. Maybe, you know, and there is some physical, you know, yeah. comedy but there. I guess it would have to be someone who would like really thrive going back to high school as a little more of the nerdy type. So I don't know who that would be. Yeah. If you guys have any suggestions for this, like, for, like, you know, please send them our way. I think, uh, I, I, I think there's a litany of possibilities out there and obviously didn't do the whole team. Um, I thought about trying to do one for Turnbull, but I couldn't come up with one that was all that good. And oh man, I just, Spencer could—he could be in a lot of movies. Uh, He's a character. It wasn't like, anyone that I. He's an actor. I didn't want to come across. I, I don't know exactly what I put him in. You know who I think would be a better uh, enforcer than Scooble? I think Harold Castro. Ooh. Just kind of silent, a little mysterious, mm. but just deadly. Like well, they, you, like they, they could, could be the team. People. They could be the team. There you go. Where you yeah. have, like, the face of the operation, and then you have, like, you know, like you said, the the silent kind of come come get you type guy. I think I think that could I don't work. even know if he has to have a line in the movie. But you just <laughs> put him in there, have his just Harold-looking face, and he just he just takes out a couple guys. Yeah. That was good. I, I actually really did like... as I, this, like to my own horn about some dumb little segment on a podcast. I really did <laughs> like the the uh, the the Greg uh, Greg Soto Fast and Furious yeah. things uh, because I was like it just because again like I said that is he is Fast and Furious like that is exactly who he is like I don't I mean he's a family man but you know he's got a couple dollars in his pocket you know I could see him like you know get some fast car and and you know wanting wanting to you know stretch the speed limits if you would um while behind the wheel i, I could see that being a thing you know and uh and yeah like the flair that with he plays with that would go perfect on the drag racing streets of america or south america wherever he chooses to be so and I, I, I tried to come up with a really good hinch one, but I couldn't nail it. Like, obviously, any sort of, like, you know, general or, you know, president or, you know, whatever, all fit. But oh, I, yeah. could, I, I wanted to come with, like, a specific one, but I couldn't come up with one that I thought was very specific. Same thing with Al. Um, Al, Al was kind of a hard one to peg. I think Al's a tough one. I think, yeah, AJ, like, any 
generic fictional president who just appears on TV to like give a stern yet somewhat inspiring speech to the nation. Like, I think that's that's perfect for AJ. I mean, honestly, I like honestly, like AJ is Bill Pullman and uh, Bill Pullman's president in Independence Day. Yeah. Yeah, I could see him giving like sure. a rousing speech before you gotta go fight some aliens. God, these movies sound so <laughs> weird when you just like say them out loud, like the plot, you know. Um, and and I could see like Al being like the chief advisor, or, like the chief of staff that uh, you know don't always see eye to eye sometimes, you know, and 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 that power dynamic. I could see that happening. Um, couldn't really come up with like. Couldn't really come up with like a, I really wanted the Grossman one, mm. um, and, and Grossman a, could be in like Yellowstone he could, or some sort of like country like cowboy movie, some mm-hmm. sort of western. And and Jamer was another hard one, and Scope. Uh, I, I I think I wrote down like Jamer, like Willy Wonka because he's a candy man, but that's not like a real thing. So it's like <laughs> I don't think I would cast Jamer in any movie. I think. I just don't think he'd be a good actor. Yeah, and 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 scope scope would probably have to be someone who's kind of like stubborn. Uh, yeah, you know, like like um, you know, harken back to you know throwing the home and all that stuff. It's like this is what I think is the right thing to do, and then you know it had to be some sort of <laughs> you know you know what I mean, some sort of role like that. Um, but that that concludes our casting call for the Detroit Tigers. <laughs> and like long, I, far longer than I thought it would. Yeah. Uh, and if, like I said, if you guys have any, shoot us on Twitter, uh, at Cody Stavenhagen. I'm at Kieran underscore Steckley. Our pod page is at Turn Corner Pod. Uh, if you can come up with some, um, we'll, we'll move on now to, uh, College Chronicles. Um, this one's going to be jumbled, but it's actually very relevant, uh, to Cody and I's life because, uh, one of our closest friends, Spent a lot of time with him in college. We'll call him Michael. Uh, texted us this morning with 14 photos. So, like, I get, like, I see that he sent, like, 14 photos. Uh, I'll be honest. Like, I assumed that it was something, like, something related to, like, rap music or drinking or, like, Oklahoma State or, you know, some sort of degenerate behavior maybe you know i finally look at it after running a couple errands this morning and no it's wedding photos (laughs) he got married and didn't even tell us that like the the day was coming up had no notice of a bachelor party did i know that they were engaged I don't, I don't know. think I don't know I don't if they think, were engaged. I mean, I they they went to New York City Hall and eloped, is my understanding. I've, I I'm not sure if they were ever engaged. I don't. And, but they still took like very professional, like they yeah. had a photographer with them, very professional photos. Um, and so yeah, that's how. So so this guy Michael, like he would just do like the strangest, most random things. Um, yeah, like this is not out of character at all. In fact, I think at one point we were like, "Yeah, well, one day we're just gonna find out Murphy's married." Like it's <laughs> Michael. Excuse me, excuse me. I don't think he'll mind if we use his real name. Um, but so I was kind of surprised he even gave us a notice that he got married. I could see just bumping into him next time I'm in New York, and oh yeah, I've been married for you know eight months. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. I, I'm sure other people have friends that just like they're like in your life, but then you also don't know all that many details about them. And this is definitely uh, Michael, uh, you know, in our lives. I mean, he would he dressed. He would do the most degenerate things. <laughs> And nothing over the top. I'm just talking about like just general sort of like erratic behavior. And he'd always be wearing slacks and dress shoes and some sort of button up like vest <laughs> slash like nice jacket combination. He was the classiest ratchet guy I ever met in my life. <laughs> and he was an enigma. Like it was so like it was hard to pin him down. And he was one of those guys that like you or he still is obviously it's not like he's dead or anything but like you know (laughs) like he's just one of those guys that like you feel so close to him and then you don't hear from him for like him going to new york was sort of just like oh yeah i'm in new york i'm I'm working here now like it was just and i used to live with the guy it was Uh, it was uh we had no concrete proof that he had moved to new york for a long time like he like he did it without really telling anyone. One day he just up and moved to New York and we had kind of figured out, I think he had finally told us there's no actual proof. And I went to visit him in New York and I got off the plane at LaGuardia and he was going to meet me and like take me to his apartment or whatever. And he was like 20 minutes late. And I was like, (laughs) Oh my God, he actually got me. Like he doesn't live in New York. He, Thought this was the greatest prank of all time. <laughs> and I kid you not, I pulled up my Marriott app and started just looking for hotels. Because I was like, he's not he's not here. He's not going to show up. Finally, he showed up. But again, it wasn't out of the realm of possibility that it was just like all a, a, a huge prank. That's, well, that's, do you rem- that's our Do you friend. remember when we did uh, the Remember the Ten run, which is every year in Stillwater? <laughs> and... Uh, this was I graduated, you graduated, and uh, you you came back for uh, to do the run, just a five k. We we do the run, and we see him and his dad doing the ten k version of the run. Like he didn't even tell us. Like I lived in Stillwater, you were nearby. Like he didn't even tell us. He was like, "Oh hey guys, what's up?" <laughs> like, hey man, like one of our closest friends. Just oh yeah. Yeah. We lived together, and we graduated. I had to bang on his door on graduation day in order to get his butt up to uh, to to get to the gymnasium so we could walk. And you know, we we walked up to Gallagher Arena together for graduation, and we walked. And I didn't see him after that. He just like left. He's like, we had a party at my house, and like it, that he also lived in. And he just like up and left. He just. I quizzed him on this years later. I said, "Why'd you do that?" And he said, "Don't you know I'm a drifter?" <laughs> like what? What does that even mean? He once he once like drove, like he he's from Tulsa. He once drove from Tulsa to Stillwater. At the halfway point, he said he was on E, and he just kept driving. And somehow he made it. But I was like, "You could have called me." I could have, like, you know, we, we could have, like, you know, gotten you some gas. We could come pick you up. No, nope, just did it on I, its own. Uh, yeah, my first year out of college, I, I worked at the newspaper in Tulsa and had an apartment in Tulsa. And uh, for some reason, I had given Murphy a key to my apartment just to, like, I don't know, 
he was my friend. He was in town. Like if I died in there, like someone could open the door. <laughs> I don't know. And uh, I, I was on a trip. I think I had gone to cover OU Texas or some football game. And I came back, got in kind of late at night, opened the door, and there are just beer cans on my coffee table. One of them was spilled and it was just kind of <laughs> sitting there. And I look around. The place is kind of messy, and I'm just like. Guess Murphy had a party in my apartment <laughs> when I wasn't there. And I wasn't really upset because it was just no. it was just Murphy. Like it wasn't yeah. you know, it was just like, okay. I wish he would have cleaned up, you know, but he didn't he didn't even feel the need to like throw away the empty beer. <laughs> <laughs> but the best yeah, the, the the dichotomy of this guy is so amazing. Kieran mentioned the slacks and everything. He had just this charisma and charm that like Old ladies, you know, would just be like oh, smitten with Murphy and he, you know, he could talk to them for hours. There's once he's walking up to Kieran's house and he's just, he's just hanging out with the homeless guy, you know, they're just <laughs> chatting it up. They're like laughing. He like became this guy's best friend in a five minute walk from campus to the house. And like he could, he could just appeal to any crowd and many of them would never guess the shenanigans he would also <laughs> partake in uh, at night. <laughs> <laughs> yep there's a lot of there's a lot of stories with him that are uh that are slightly above pg-13 so that really toes the line yeah. the, the best story is probably gonna have to stay off the record <laughs> yeah well we'll share them with any listeners that catch us at a bar yeah we'll, we'll... <laughs> but he's like he, he, like i don't I was just so shocked. I was like, these were like not like cell phone pictures. These were done by a professional, downloaded to a computer, and then emailed to him yeah. for so him to save on his despite not having phone. like a real wedding, they still hired like a wedding photographer. I don't like, know. Like on the streets of New York City in front of this nice fountain. And oh, yeah, by the way, this guy is a lawyer. He's a public defender. <laughs> he's a public, and, not only an attorney, he's a public defender. <laughs> in, in, in the New York City area. So uh, th- this, is the, these, this is the kind of guy that could be defending somebody you know. I know it seems like we've now given away his identity. Also, good luck finding him. He has like zero <laughs> social media presence. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I I don't know how. If I didn't have his phone number, I would have zero way of connecting with him. Zero. Not not any social You're media. Right. That we I used to have of. his address. He's since moved. I don't have his current address. I can can even write him a letter. Yeah. So. He's we've, a we've joked that one day he's gonna like move to Africa and have like a spiritual awakening, and we're not gonna know about it until like he's come back yeah. and he's he's found Christ or he's found probably some other like Maybe. strange religion. You know, I think I'm not saying this is I'm not saying this is strange, but because I, I was gonna interject this before you said strange, so I just want for the record, I'm not calling this practice strange. Just for the record, <laughs> I could definitely see him becoming a Buddhist. You know, just randomly. Uh, oh yes. <laughs> It's just one of those guys, man, that like any, I think you said it one time, it's like 90 plus percent of all my good times in college involved this man, and yet I know basically nothing about what he's doing now. (laughs) (laughs) So it's just one of those guys, man. Forever, forever in our hearts. And, you know, like, like we still talk to him occasionally and all that stuff, but like, you know, he just—he is what he is. Don't you know? I'm a drifter. I mean, that—that—that. That, that. Uh, well, congrats to Murphy and Danny on their beautiful wedding. I wish I would have been invited, but uh, would have they loved didn't to have been have there. a real wedding. So it's, yeah, it's all right. 
I'm inviting him to my wedding, so we'll see if he comes. We'll see if he comes. <laughs> uh, so, all right, you got uh, you got anything you need to, you want to plug or anything? Uh, or I think just... that's good. I think we have rambled on about pointless stuff for far too long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, time flies, man. Time flies when you're just you know <laughs> shooting the squat, you know. So, all right, well. Appreciate if everybody listening. If you think listening. Murphy is an interesting character, wait until we tell you about our friend Tim Aaron's one of these days. Yes. Just wait. That's definitely down. Uh, that's definitely down the line. Uh, so we appreciate everybody listening still, with not a lot to talk about, and just kind of letting us kind of ramble on and you know talk about whatever kind of comes to our minds. We appreciate subscribers on Apple and Spotify, obviously. Please subscribe to The Athletic if you're not. We mentioned Cody's mailbag. We mentioned, uh, you know, some potential solutions for the CBA. That's obviously only um, only a small portion of what you get with an Athletic subscription. So hope everybody can subscribe to The Athletic. Please continue to listen and subscribe. Give us a five-star review if you feel so inclined. So we're going to get out of here. Hope everybody has a great week. So for Cody Stavenhagen, I'm Kieran Steckley. Thank you for listening.